I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is Tommy Moore! Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey here in studio, joined by Sean Farrell of the 42. How are you, Shawnee? Yeah, flying it, Gav. Can't uh, complain. Near, nearly Christmas for us all. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting festive period. And we're joined as well by Bert Bernard Jackman. Good to see you. How are you? Very good, thank you. Excellent. Bit of um, housework to get out of the way, firstly. Some good news, really, for a lot of uh, coaches that were previously associated with Irish rugby, starting with Dutchie Holland getting the big job in the Hurricanes. Bernard, um, quite the feat, really, because he only joined the club, what, 2016, I think it was. Obviously, John Plumtree has since now gone on to work under Ian Foster with the All Blacks. So the opening was there and uh, Dutchie, a local, I think, is uh, has gotten the gig. Yeah, absolutely, and um, obviously a huge part of Munster's uh, or a huge part of Munster's history, um, and very well regarded down there as a player. You know, came over to Ireland. Um, I think just to play club rugby originally, and and eventually went into the professional setup, and and was a key guy there for probably seven or eight, nine years, and, and then went into the coaching staff, but had the opportunity to go back to, to New Zealand and, and raise his family um, back home, and got involved with the Hurricane setup, and been very well regarded there too in a quiet way obviously Chris Boyd is now in Northampton was was part of the coaching setup there um, Plumtree's was with Ireland the Sharks went back to the Hurricanes and um, you know they've they've really built on uh, uh, built some success there and changed I suppose the perception around Hurricanes rugby which maybe was a little bit soft and with obviously Boyd going to Northampton and, and Plumtree going to the All Blacks the opportunities has arisen to recruit from within and uh, you know a phenomenal opportunity for him and uh, I've spoken to coaches who've gone down to spend time in New Zealand and um, spend time in the, in the Hurricanes and he's looked after them really well and um, they said he's, he's just a, a, as he was as a player no frills just really common uh, a lot of common sense giving really good information to his players and uh, you know doesn't get flustered or uh, very very calm very relaxed and they said he's a very good coach so big opportunity from now to step up as a head coach in a, for a New Zealand Super Rugby franchise but uh, he knows he knows that squad inside out haven't been there for the last few years and Greg Feek then uh, going to work under Foster Shawnee sort of earned 100 Ireland caps so to speak over the course of his tenure and like literally one of the best scrum coaches in the world really so it's quite the asset and probably a coup really for New Zealand to get him on board yeah sometimes when we see kind of people we're familiar with or that have worked worked around the Ireland scene we we tend to underrate them just because of their their proximity to an Irish setup but I don't think that was ever the case in, in Greg Feek's uh, time with true Leinster in Ireland he uh, yeah he was very much a part of the furniture with both until he uh, started double jobbing between Japan and, and here uh, yeah always extremely high thought of and, and former All Black himself of course it's great to see him um, progressing to probably the top job you can get as a, as a scrum coach if uh, if you're a native Kiwi Yeah I think if you look at the, the All Blacks uh, the set up and um, 
and the coaches that they're bringing in, it, it, it really fits into their model of you know, tapping into that overseas experience uh, and actually encouraging people to leave New Zealand and go and experience uh, rugby in, in Japan or rugby in France or, 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 or the UK and Ireland. And, you know, I know John O'Gibbs uh, told me before, I think it was maybe two or three years ago, the All Blacks were on tour uh, in Europe in November and the CEO arranged a meeting with pretty much every Kiwi coach who was coaching professionally in Europe to sit down and just say to them, we know where you are, um, you're still in our plans and, and kind of get some feedback around where they were going in their career and if there was, uh, I suppose, a, a plan to maybe get home um, down the road. So they're very good at actually encouraging those coaches to leave and and, and also I think from a scrogeon point of view and a set piece point of view, like Plumtree, the set piece uh, is, is is very different in in Super Rugby. You know, it's a way of restarting the game. Whereas you know, Plumtree haven't have worked in Ireland um, with our forwards and our lineup and our lineup mall. Um, Fiki haven't haven't worked here in Leinster in Ireland. I mean, they will have learned a lot around how how important it is to have a, a dominant set piece and the, the tricks and the tactics that are involved over here so you know getting that kind of intellectual property back into New Zealand into the All Blacks is is really positive and even you know they're talking to Brad Moore Moore who's the Scarlet's coach um, about getting him back in the, in the summer to be part of this All Blacks coaching staff and you know he's someone who coaching the Kings um, coaching Crusaders but he'll have had a year of Northern Hemisphere experience as well and I think uh, I think it's something that you know is, is, is a really good strategy for, for for the All Blacks to you know get these coaches um, let them learn the rope somewhere else uh, let them improve and then bring them back hopefully better yeah the All Blacks adding strings to their bow is exactly what we need now no, ahead of it. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta say look um, it, it's something that they've been strong on for, for years and um, you know it certainly gives them a lot of different ideas and philosophies to mix together with their own which is obviously very strong we haven't heard from you Bernard since all the games last weekend Shawnee and myself were chatting about them briefly with the 42 members on Monday was it Sean? it was Monday Monday morning uh, before, yeah. um, before the squad came out and that's right learned a lot more yeah, so we'll be chatting about the stock take for sure. But just to get your impression, Bernard, of those four games in the Champions Cup, um, listen, like it was another sort of fairly successful week. It didn't quite go to plan for Munster in Allianz Park. And that's probably the one with the major talking points to come out of the weekend. If you were head coach of a team and one of your staff, or particularly a medic, <laughs> was to make a comment that would essentially influenced the game or you know it left its mark in a game and probably did uh, shift momentum indirectly in favour of the opposition how annoyed would you be? Yeah very frustrated I think it's uh, it's out of order and uh, um, you know you want your players and your and your your coaches and your medical staff and everyone involved in the organisation to to be to be disciplined and and to, to do the right thing. So uh, I can understand how it happens. I think I've seen people get you know um, uptight and edgy and 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 hot on the sideline, but um, it's certainly not something that we we want to see part of the game and and you know I'm sure Van Gran um you know will be making it very clear that that's not acceptable and um you know definitely once we were in a really good position at the time I know that you can say they got a penalty out but you know it definitely gave Saracens a spark to 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 waken up and, and they were they weren't um in any way cohesive in that first 50 minutes and Munster looked like they had the, the tools to win the game but apart from that apart from the fact that, of the effect they had in the game it's just something that's not not good and it's not acceptable and uh I know Munster want to move on quickly and and Saracens probably want to move on as well but you can't ignore the fact that it shouldn't have happened and yeah. um you know I think it's right the ERC are looking into it because if not if not you, you just tolerate that kind of behavior and you know who's to say it wouldn't 
wouldn't happen again you know in a, in a few weeks somewhere else because there's always opportunities there's always incidents on, on the sideline uh, to get involved in that kind of um, slagging and, and uh, sledging but doesn't mean you know it should be accepted so um Munster will, will look back with regret because there was a game there for the taking definitely I can't understand how they didn't take the, the opportunity to go for a bonus point um, given the the fact that Cabrera uh, Troy was only going to give him a bonus point anyway um, and yeah it's very unlike Munster not to know exactly what they need and, and be ruthless enough to get the bare minimum when they can and uh, you know it goes back to you know the, the draw in 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 Racing uh, against Racing where there's a chance to win at the end and they don't do that well then you know two matches later to, to miss out on a point um, which could be valuable at the end is is probably it's probably a bit disappointing and you you just wonder are they losing that kind of understanding of Europe and and how important every single point is uh, because that was something they were always brilliant at you know they they were never f- always fluid or or in outstanding form for the six matches in Europe but they seem to always have a knack of getting what they needed to done and I, I just think you know over the course of the first four games you know you'd say for instance the last minute against Ospreys when they get the bonus point try that, that's a typical monster but you know only getting the draw at home to Racing and, and not getting anything out of the game in, in London last weekend and letting Saracens get a bonus point um, it's just a little bit sloppy and could cost them dearly I think you know, in, in round six Is it possible that a team can lose its IQ collectively like that and, and is it possibly symptomatic of the wholesale changes in approach that have been probably applied since well, the new coaching the staff, staff. Like uh, you know, um, you know, you've lost, you've lost um, Anthony. Obviously, um, you lost Jerry, Felix, uh, who have been part of that whole history of of uh, what Europe means to Munster. And Francis, Steve, and and, and Graham, and Johan, um, they all offer different attributes, and and, and long term potentially, you know, could bring him to new heights. But um, they don't like they don't have that. DNA. Graham Rountree, Leicester would have had a lot of understanding of it, but it's a long time since he was at the cold face of it. Um, so maybe, yeah, there's just a little bit of a shift. Uh, Peter Mahoney was gone off, uh, injured. Um, you know, you've got your, you've got a 10 who's experienced enough, but not at being the main man in, in Europe for Munster. And uh, suddenly things starts to, to slip a little bit and uh, you just don't make, you don't have that clarity of, of probably um, decision making that they had in the past. What about the other games then? Uh, Leinster, I think got a result that people well certainly the type of result people were expecting based on what they produced a week prior and yet they probably exceeded expectations expectations in just how they went about it and how enjoyable it was to watch I mean it was like watching freestyle rugby at times yeah it was Leinster are really really flying and I think what you saw was the I thought Northampton were definitely psychologically scarred from the previous week and you know coming over to Ireland the worst thing you want to do is give Leinster uh, an early score and they give away uh, you know a try after a minute and a half then they give away a second one after six minutes and, and the game is the game has gone away from them. and in fairness they battled back and you know they got a, they got three tries in the end one of them which you know should never have been allowed but um they still Leinster were so comfortable and were able to pretty much do what they wanted and that's a, that's a really positive sign for Leinster it's worrying for for Northampton it's worrying I think for the Premiership clubs you know Exeter and Saracens in fairness this year are, are are looking like they're going to be okay but the general level of quality you know you see Quinns getting smashed by, by Ulster um, at bat were, were pretty horrendous in, in Claremont Um you know, Gloucester and Ferns had a good enough match against against Connacht, but they're not contenders to to do anything. So, um, I think the Premiership and 
their ability to be competitive in Europe is is up for question at the moment. Uh, Bar has said two teams, but um, you know Leinster are, are absolutely flying. And being able to see like Frawley come on for twenty minutes and and get that experience and do really well. Uh, Ross Byrne was excellent for sixty. Um, you know you've got like Salarmer etc. Who are looking in phenomenal shape. Doris and really enjoying the rugby and looking on form so um, you know Leinster for me are the, are the team who are putting their hand up at the moment as the, as the winners you know? Do you think we're heading towards another situation in which the premiership clubs will throw the toys out of the pram again and like it's it was reported in the Guardian obviously that there, there is a proposed restructure of the competition obviously there's plenty of talk of an Anglo-Irish league but the fact of the matter is with the likes of Queens and other clubs taking absolute pastings they're going to lose interest in the competition and they already feel the odds are stacked against them despite the fact that they felt this a few years ago and tried to change it and did successfully change it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, um, it's a big worry. I think the unfortunate competition has lost a little bit of its, uh, you know, Luster. Profile, luster and profile and um, it's, it's just starting to slip a little bit. Obviously in Ireland we still put huge um play our pride and place on us but uh, pro- and then the problem is the revamp should have made it better um, but unfortunately a lot of teams don't believe they can win it and um, I don't put the, the same effort and, and emphasis on it and then suddenly um, it doesn't become as, as attractive and uh, you know I see a lot of the English teams particularly in the Challenge Cup are, are just using it as a way of getting their uh, EQP percentage up so they're like putting out nearly all English qualified players in their 23 uh, so it means they can bring in their foreign players for the premiership games and still hit their numbers um, to get their TV money you know that kind of stuff is 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 worrying you know and um, even Harlequins at the weekend like Chris Robshaw was working for TV uh, he wasn't injured you know there was uh, it was a week inside it, like that's if, if an Irish team when Irish teams do that in the Pro 14 they get absolutely uh, slated for it but what the Irish teams do is they go out and win anyway um, whereas you know Harlequins weren't comp- as competitive as they could have been and that is it is a worry and it's something that probably needs to be addressed and obviously we have this whole rumour around this British and Irish league in a couple of years time and you know if, if there is a British and Irish league would we need Europe the French I would imagine could handle life without the Champions Cup you know um, and if they got more cash and, and more rest periods and uh, etc for for the top 14 so uh, and for international rugby so there's probably a some hard uh, negotiations to be done over the next year and a half by the by the, the decision makers around European rugby and, and trying I'd love to see the European Cup back to where it was where it was probably the Mecca uh, for for a, a professional player bar international rugby so um, but at the moment it's going through a little bit of a period of, of transition and uncertainty Yeah it's a strange one Sean isn't it because if you were to even for people listening at home who are diehard Irish rugby fans Champions Cup is kind of the be all and end all and they might be listening to this thinking like what the hell I thought you know I'm still really enjoying the competition because the Irish provinces are really enjoying the competition but we are sort of looking through the prism of the, the importance we put on it whereas it's actually not the same outside of Ireland really bar a couple of clubs in England and probably Racing to a lesser extent to lose in Clermont maybe yeah as Bernard alluded to there is that eerie similarity between how those uh, not quite top level English clubs are, are treating it now compared to how we're used to so many French clubs treating it uh, I've seen uh, on the BBC podcast this, this week they were just making the point that in a World Cup year there's no Premiership Cup this year so really the, the opportunities to rest players 
in in a normal uh, program of games is diminished even further. So it is week on week, and if you're not resting them in in Europe, then you're essentially sacrificing points. And a lot of them are are genuinely frightened of relegation and there is that constant moaning and had the restructuring cloud looms over because there is a constant moaning then over oh well the pro 14 teams don't have to don't have to be worried about this they don't have to be worried about that when genuinely there hasn't been a, a pro 14 team playing well in Europe and lingering around the, the bottom of, of yeah. their conference for a wee while. Yeah, and they'll look, Harlequins will argue when they see the Leinster, Munster and Ulster teams over over Christmas saying, um, well, you know, their international players are getting their breakdown and we're playing hours against Saracens or Bath or whatever their Christmas der- their matches are. And, um, you know, we, we, we're we still looking after our players as well because we gave them a rest in, in round four of, of Europe. And because we weren't, you know, we'd lost the way um, to, to Ravenhill uh, in, to Ulster and Ravenhill and we you know we felt we hadn't a chance of qualifying so um, they all have a valid argument but just uh, you know it's just different for us because we always put huge emphasis on on playing our best teams in Europe and uh, uh, and then I suppose when you when you Northampton first played their best team they just weren't good enough you know realistically uh, particularly uh, um, over there um, and then she just took them apart but you know I can imagine around five and six you know some of those teams uh, that go out for, for those English teams or knocked out you know will be very much focused on hitting their percentage for EQP rather than winning the game Speaking of competitions then with perceived credibility problems the Pro 14 and uh, we're heading into back to back to back Interpros it is an exciting time of year regardless of the teams that take to the field but nonetheless we are kind of approaching these ones again with the reality that a lot of the frontline players for each of the provinces won't be involved um what's your impression of it sean i've seen some people sort of suggest that it detracts from the importance of derbies like you'll have people calling munster and leinster one of the greatest rivalries in irish sport and yet they're fielding second teams probably in each game one of them will do it um you look at the sports ground like they, they've extended the capacity for or increasing capacity for the visit of monster at the weekend and yet there's a chance that you know it's kind of a, a mixture between a, fr- a first team and an a team that might line out and yet as we've just discussed with Bernard, it tends to suit us in Europe to do this. Um, and it is part of a, an IRFU-led program, essentially. So, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to, the the way that there's very good science behind the way the IRFU kind of line out these weeks and, and when players get get rest and, and when they go full throttle. And it just so happens that in a, in a week of come the seasonal period you have these all the derby fixtures happen around around Italy around Scotland around Wales because I suppose that's perceived to be the the heightened time for people to make travel short distances to watch games and and to and for teams to not have to travel and probably in what uh, might be a, a tougher time of the year to travel but yeah you can I definitely feel for people who've I mean to Oman Park sold out what two three weeks ago for that Leinster fixture and now there's talk of what sort of team is going to line out? What sort of team will never mind? What sort of team will Leinster uh, send down? But what sort of team will will Munster host? But you kind of do have to be a diehard fan to appreciate some some of the lineups that that are sent out. They're still competitive games. They're still um, yeah value to be to be found in that 
that uh, second string, you know, challengers, whatever, whatever you want to call them in a given week. But yeah, you presume a lot of people but were buying tickets on the foot of seeing the two um, two main suppliers to the Irish team go go locking horns for essentially what we like to call a trial game. Yeah, well, that's that's it. like it'll be an entertaining game. Once or less, it will always be good. Like the atmosphere will be at fever pitch. Yeah. It'll be uh, like there there'll be colossal collisions, all of the sort of things you're looking for in a rugby game. And then a diehard fan will make the point like, well, I actually want to see Shane Daly on the wing for Munster in this type of a game. I want to see, I don't know, Calvin Nash get his opportunity or some of the Leinster, as you say, challengers, Sean. On the flip side of it, like sport, generally speaking, is about I want to see who is the better team between these two teams yeah. and you want to see them at full strength in order to ascertain who is the better team. Yeah, well, looking look back uh, uh, a year ago when, when Johnny Sexton went down to, to Toma Park and, you know, how fascinating that match was because yeah. Leinster went pretty strong um, and the tension and the, uh, I suppose the competitiveness on the field and the talking points from that game made it, you know, made it back to probably a, an interprovincial derby, you know, a Munster-Leinster clash that we probably hadn't seen for a while because in fairness, it hasn't been just this year. Um, over the last four or five years, we've rarely saw the two best go against each other. Generally, it's been one full strength uh, and generally at home, yeah. you know, the, the, the team playing away haven't sent their, their best team um, because of resting period whereas this year it looks like there's a chance that some of our big names will take two weekends off and um, yeah and then you're really looking at you know shadow sides uh, playing and I, I agree with you I think you know the the Christmas derbies are an opportunity to get people into stadiums that maybe don't go the rest of the year and you know maybe families who um, are only starting to, to enjoy the game or, or follow it or, or can't get tickets for internationals and it's for a chance for them to see the, the Johnny Sextons and the Gary Ringroses and the, the Peter Mahanies and the Keith Earls um, and if they don't play it's you know you're probably robbing them of a of an opportunity to to see the the real stars so it's it's a tough one I agree with you the games will be competitive regardless who plays and and for the for the next generation or the next guys in line it's a it's a phenomenal opportunity for them to taste that you know to take for example the Leinster team who've been playing Pro 14 up till now a lot of them haven't been playing Champions Cup um, now they've been doing phenomenally well uh, 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 for, for Leinster in the Pro 14 and for them it's a pretty fitting reward to get to play a, a Christmas derby etc but um, it is frustrating that we can't maybe find rest periods other times and let them go at each other you know and let's just let's just really enjoy some the best players in the country going after each other for their promises yeah, yeah. that Munster Leinster game in Tobin Park last year is the is the standard we're, we're all chasing yeah. but at the same time you think of that game and the moment that stands out it's not uh, it's not two of the most recognised well it's one of the most recognised men in, yeah. in Irish sport and it's Finning literally dumping him on the ground yeah, and, and there's him a chance to yeah, uh, like, yeah there's room for yourself. you know what I mean that's what you want you know what I mean there's room there's room for young young guys to come in and oh, unheralded yeah, yeah. and, and make their mark and literally doing that to Frawley won't be the same you yeah. know what I mean it was just but like you want I'm not saying it have to be all full like literally he's a coming player that was the day kind of you know he he announced himself a little, a little bit as yeah. someone's not going to take a, a step back and I agree with you you know um, you know it doesn't have to be all internationals but he would like you know both teams would be pretty strong uh, I would say to mm. to make it a game where you can say wow you know, Munster have got Munster have done Leinster there, and they've got massive momentum from that. And exactly, you know, that's, that'd be my opinion. Yeah, that's it. It's just difficult to get a read off of it 
whoever wins yeah. uh, the way it's been structured the last couple of years. That being said, just before we move on from a Bernadette and again from a coaching perspective, like you're coming in off the back of a World Cup, it kind of goes without saying that these players need time off at a certain point. It, maybe the Christmas period is the ideal time having sort of gotten back into the swing of things in Europe over the course of a few weeks. Um and then you have the stock take as well. There'll be a meeting with 45 players on Sunday, I think. So a few of them are going to be busy this weekend anyway. Um, but just can you kind of explain like the importance of it? Like, I mean, if you were sort of, I don't know, if you were a casual sports fan or a sports observer, you might think professional players, it's only the start of the season. They still had a bit of time off. Like, do they really need these two weekends off in a row? Can you not do it, you know, in a couple of weeks time, in a couple of months time? Yeah, I don't think you can. Uh, I think you need to get breaks in uh, more regularly now, and it's not just the um, the physical recovery; it's the psychological, and just you know, a lot of lads are gone away, sun holidays, or gone away with their families, or whatever. Um, to just mentally freshen up, I think we have to take into account how how much they would invest in that World Cup campaign. You know, so um, and, and it would have been basically on their mind for pretty much every every second of the day since since early July when they went into camp, and they came back did a, a week and a half to freshen up and then they got into European action. Whereas if you look at the Welsh players, um, they were pretty much given five or six weeks off post World Cup. I know the argument is they were there two weeks longer, um, but they took a proper kind of off season break post World Cup, and now they'll have to go, you know, week to week. Until until the summer, whereas the Irish players and it affected the Welsh teams' uh, results in the Pro 14 and and in in, in Europe, um, they're struggling a little bit. Scarlets are doing okay in the Challenge Cup, um, but and Dragons are doing okay. Uh, they have a chance of qualifying the Challenge Cup as well, but they haven't. Neither none of the, uh, the Welsh regions are, are really on on top form or competing at the levels that they expect to be. So. Um, the Irish angle was, you know, get them, get them back in with the provinces, get them winning in Europe, which they have, and we'll give them a, a, a two-week break around Christmas time, which probably is when you look at, you know, when there's a chance, obviously, all three can qualify for, um, all four can technically qualify for knockout stages, but you'd imagine that that Leinster, uh, in particular, uh, and maybe Munster and Ulster will be in the knockout stages of Europe, and also, you know, Six Nations campaign is really important, so. After this, after the first of January, there isn't many opportunities to to give them time to to refresh. And you know, if Farrell wants to bring a lot of frontliners to Australia as well in June, you know, you're looking at going from post World Cup for another seven or eight months, and that's that's impossible. So um, it is important to get a, a break into them. And thankfully, they're, you know, they're coming back. They've come back in form and in great look in great shape mentally physically so you know you're you, this week is fine they're going to go into this holiday now feeling really good about themselves again and uh hopefully come back and pick up where they left off speaking of the six nations then 45 man squad named in andy farrell's stock take so eight new caps uh Quaylen blade billy burns tom o'toole jamison gibson park Kalen doris will connors ron keller max deegan is he the last one yeah, yeah he hasn't cap. Yeah, yeah yeah um and then probably two high-profile omissions. Rob Carney, 34 years of age, and seems to be almost on the chopping block as we transition into this new era, which seems... You know, like there are a lot of fans around the country, particularly outside of Leinster, who kind of feel, ah, yeah, it's about time, you know, like he is 34 years. He was one of Ireland's best players last year. Like he hasn't become this old man overnight, you know. Um, is it just, do you think, Sean, on the 
back of the fact that there seems to have been a bit of a handover there now with Jordan Larmer, that they are even Leinster are kind of just moving in that direction and the time is probably never right, but it has to be done at some point. Yeah, it's probably a signal of, of probably the competition behind him as well. Um, not only Larmer, but the form Mike Haley's showed down in Munster as well. The options you have in, in Will Addison, even even down to Joey Carberry, if, if they ever decide to, to put him back there. Just the options for it's a, it's a more explosive position that as well. You need to you need that extra bit of top line pace, which I don't know if if there's a feeling that maybe Rob Kearney's head is isn't moving as fast as or his feet aren't moving as fast as his head want them to, uh, or if if it's a different style of game, I'm not sure. It it's a signal of intent really for 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 the Six Nations ahead and four years beyond that which <laughs> the whole squad like it's it's hard not to be excited by I'm I'm like checking myself going like no I'm supposed to be a bit more cynical <laughs> I've got uh, the love heart emojis for old Uncle Andy um, <laughs> yeah e- even even the guys that that aren't uncapped like like Stuart McCluskey Alton Delan uh, you know uncapped yeah Caelan Blade and, and, and Rory Scannell coming in like they're guys that have seemingly been on the outside and, and haven't been able to break their way back in so even to have a list of guys that are included in this camp and to see those guys that are being given a chance and being brought in under the wing and uh, maybe given a, a, another another opportunity to, to show their wares and, and get a second chance at international rugby. Yeah, it's a kind of a clean slate, Bernard, for a lot of them. And I suppose like after the World Cup, a lot of the discourse was around the idea that we need to move on from uh, some of the more senior players. At the same time, it was probably suggested by a lot of people, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like they, yeah. these haven't turned into bad players overnight. Certainly Jordy Murphy is, is nowhere near past his prime or anything of the sort. Probably just a little bit unlucky. Uh, with Carney, is, is it purely down to the fact that he's not going to be at the next World Cup? Are we thinking that far ahead? Is it, pure, is it more so to open up the opportunities as Sean is saying for some of the chasing pack that have been behind him until this point? Yeah, I'd say it's to open up the the opportunities for for the rest, and um, you know maybe he just wants Andy Farr wants to give some of those other back three players um, a little bit of time in, in in this in this one day camp or two day camp to to maybe you know feel that they're they're the next generation without having Rob Rob there. So Rob's a very strong character um, in the dressing room as well, and in as in, in, in from a leadership point of view, and maybe just feels just leaving him out, you know, gives Rob a chance to, to freshen up as well, or maybe profit from the fact of some more game time. The biggest issue for me he hasn't had a huge amount of game time because he hasn't been picked for Leinster. So, you know, is it not better for Rob to forget about this camp where? It's probably going to be mainly around, you know, team building and setting some standards and talking around what they want to be seen as, and let them go back to Leinster and and play and start and and, and find some form. And because uh, you can always bring Rob Rob Carney back, so um, he's been written off a lot of times. I wouldn't be sure this is the end of him yet. Um, and I think it's probably a smart thing to just let him, leave him out of the squad. Um, and the fact that Larmer's in it, and you know, there's some players going to be rested over Christmas. Maybe Rob is is one of these fellows who might play over Christmas, and and you know, and the RFU will sign off on that and, uh, and let him uh, play because he has a lot of experience and he has a, a lot to offer even if he doesn't get back into the Irish team he can still be a key part of, of this Lancer team this season so um, 
you know I think as well you know Joe would have had a lot of these fellas in around camps as well but you know the most interesting for me when, when he knocks this down to 30 for, for the Six Nations then you see how how, how fresh it's going to be but uh, it does reward like Sir Callagher and Doris and uh, Scanlon as you said and Caelan Blade who have been uh, playing really well and the great thing is a lot of guys are playing well for their, for their provinces so mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be easier for Farrell to to pick them up and, and have you know have them in a good place psychologically than we maybe felt you know post New Zealand I think the, the province has done a great job of healing um, the players and they'll go back in and uh, you know a new brush sweeps clean and, and you know even the whole thing on stock take and stuff it'll just be there'll be a different language a different vibe but like some my cat coming in there and I'm sure Farrell will change things around how they operate and that freshness and that new approach will hopefully you know invigorate them again and you know we, we'll we'll see a, a strong Irish team but uh, I, I think from Rob Carney's point of view uh, you know I'd definitely be slow to write him off yet even though it looks ominous um, but I think the biggest problem for him is that he hasn't been able to get game time uh, enough game time to show his form so we're kind of we're reading between the lines a little bit that he's lost his pace uh, and, and he's out of form but uh, fairness you couldn't drop an armour at the moment yeah. no. can I just ask you about the breakdown of props Bernard what, yeah. you, what you think of that two dedicated loose heads and Keane Healy Dave Kilcoyne Tyg Furlong Marty Moore Tom O'Toole and where do you count Andrew Porter is he is he going back to being a loose head now? no I think he's probably I think he's he's, he's on fire at a tight head you know uh, I, I, I think he probably they might see him as being able to cover both, but I would say you know you know that, that was very much for um, emergency stuff for 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 a World Cup. But I think now you're back to being able to have specialists in each position. So I think Porter Porter's putting it up to Furlong, and Furlong's had a strong game at the weekend. But Porter's form has been really impressive, and likes of O'Toole and Marty Moore. I mean, Marty Moore was someone um, marginalised to be honest by Joe, uh, and in fairness, that's there was valid reasons for that. Um, but he's got himself into into better shape he's playing well and a tool you know a tool's up there Jack McGrath has gone up um, but a tool in fairness has, has, has risen his game has raised his game again and uh, it's, it's good to have him in and around around camp so I, I think I still see you know Kilcoyne and, and, and Keane Healy has been very clear you know loose heads and I, I'd be I'd be wouldn't be certain that Andrew Porter would shift across I think he's he, he'd be back in tie head mode now Who out of the potential new caps could you see actually making their way into a first team or certainly figuring when that squad is paired down to 30 is there anybody that you could see Yeah I think Kelleher and Doris Yeah are going to put big pressure on and Cooney Cooney's on UCAP but um, I think the uncapped that could come in I think Keller has a cracking chance to start and if his hand comes right um, and Doris I think I think we might see Stander maybe maybe playing six um, or you know uh, or, or shifting around but I think Doris I think Doris will get cap for Ireland in, in the Six Nations uh, and you know he's been pretty impressive uh, and like obviously Conan Conan's injured but he's profited from that that opportunity to play every week uh, he's a different type of player than Conan in fairness but uh, he's someone who's who's really impressed me with those three new Leinster caps there or uncapped yeah. Leinster players as you said the back row looks the, almost the most refreshed thing Will Connors yeah. as well yeah, Will Connors uh, you're a big, you're a big yeah, fan I don't know him. if Will Connors will start for Ireland uh, but it's a fit and reward like we have to remember we're, we're judging him on like a limited amount of games mm. but what he's done in those games particularly um, particularly against Connacht away and, and Glasgow was you know pretty pretty outstanding um, I wonder 
you know, he's a very much specialist, you know, uh, mm. chop tackler, d- defensive type player. Um, you know, I, I wonder will will that be part of what where Andy Farr wants to go? But uh, you know, I, I still see Van der Fleer ahead of him um, at international level. But it's a great recognition for him. You know, he's a guy who you maybe doubted whether he ever was going to get a chance to play for Leinster you know I know he was definitely looking at going to Connacht a couple of seasons ago um, and he just looked so far down the depth chart at back row but obviously a couple of injuries Sean O'Brien going to Ireland Irish Dan Levy being out uh, Van der Fleer out of World Cup um, Conan out and suddenly now he's 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 in an Irish squad mm. it, it's brilliant it's a real testament to uh, how important it is to, to keep faith and, and keep your head down and be ready when your opportunity arrives so um, yeah the back row with Deegan is, Deegan's a quality player as well but again he's not getting as much game time as you probably think you need to get to be a starter in Six Nations but it is nice to see uh, some fresh blood in there for sure Connor's probably keeping Jordy Murphy out really if anybody is that's the straight swap isn't it yeah. he's the dedicated open side to in, in ahead of him yeah some show of faith in him uh, just before we wrap then Jensen it's difficult to get a gauge on these without knowing what sort of teams are going to line out but Leinster against Ulster Friday 25 to 8 Shawnee just based on the fact that Leinster are invincible uh, are we expecting home a home win <laughs> Bernard yeah, Slayton yeah, yeah. and uh, Connacht the Munster it's going to be electric out in Galway and again we'll see who lines out for each of them but uh, it should be a bit of fun regardless that's at uh, quarter past five on Saturday Shawnee yeah it'll tell us the Munster selection will tell us a lot about how to plan the, the, the few weeks ahead it's it's a top of the table clash in, in Conference B so I think Connacht will be going as, as full bore as they possibly can for that I'll go home win yeah home win as well I think Connacht they'll get massive confidence from their finish last week against, against Gloucester sports ground will be absolutely homing and Connor starting to get a few guys back from injury and yeah I'd imagine uh, they'll they'll do enough to, to get a win I think Munster and Perry might send might save some guys for the week after maybe more so than send a full string there sounds good gentlemen thanks Emil thank you thanks Kev and thanks to everybody at home as well enjoy the interprovincial action over the weekend and enjoy your Christmas is this an emotional farewell I think it is until a few weeks time we never we only see each other at Christmas (laughs) (laughs) yeah listen have a great one and uh, we'll catch you again I don't know when but sure when you hear us you'll hear us Uh, until then take it easy I don't think we've met before but I'm the referee on this field if you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is Tommy Rugby, rugby, weekly. Then in the first pass, and oh, oh, Magic! You're not alive, boys, so you start kicking when the room is spinning and the world...